Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, let's go ahead and start in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this day and all the many blessings, Lord, that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your protection over us. Lord, we thank you for just the safety uh, during this pandemic. Help our country, help our nation. Uh, Lord, may this difficult time serve as a way to bring about revival, that God's people would get revived. Help us to do that. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help me with the message tonight. Give me the words to say, have your will and way, and we'll be careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, I appreciate you being here. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to continue in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 26, Matthew chapter number 26. Now we left off here in verse number 13. That was the last verse we read. We're going to read here starting in verse number 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said unto them, What will ye give me? and I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and they did eat. He said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the Bible says in verse 22, they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink. Ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So here in our passage of Scripture, we have, of course, the betrayal of Judas, along with the Passover being celebrated 
and then the Lord instituting the Lord's Supper. Now, this is one of the saddest passages of Scripture, verses 14 through 16, that is in the Bible. Just think about this, that Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest to betray the Lord. But think about this. He was with the Lord in his earthly ministry. Think about that. Three and a half years he was with him, saw the miracles he did, saw the power he had. He could see that he was the Messiah, and yet here he is ready to betray him. Now, I started to think about this, that, you know, he saw his life. He saw this perfect God-man that had never sinned. Think of to betray that. And as we look at this, the Bible tells us he did it for 30 pieces of silver. Well, that fulfilled a prophecy talked about in Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 12. And so when we look at this, you know, we're getting ready to look now as he gets to the Passover. But I want to do a little background into that prior to this, getting into that. I want us to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number three. Genesis chapter number three. Of course, here we have the fall of man. Adam sinned. And because of that, mankind sinned. Amen. And so when we look at this, God provided a way. After man sinned, God provided a way for us to be saved. Uh, the Bible tells us in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Of course, this is talking about the Messiah, the Messiah that was gonna come and save mankind. And I want you to notice though, in verse number 21, it says, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? Here we have the first blood sacrifice. God himself did that sacrifice. He had to kill an animal to give them those coats of skin. And then the Bible tells us in chapter four, uh, verse number one, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And then the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So here we see that Abel brought the blood sacrifice. That was the importance. That's the key. And you'll see that through the Old Testament. All this is a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do. As we're reading in Matthew 26, we're coming up to that moment of that crucifixion. So I wanted to go back all the way to the book of Genesis and show why it was important 
that we had to have the blood sacrifice. So here we see in Genesis chapter four that uh, God, you know, had instituted the blood sacrifice and Abel, that's what he brought. He brought the blood sacrifice and Cain didn't. And of course, we know out of that jealousy got in Cain's heart and he killed his own brother. But now I want you to go a few pages over in Genesis chapter number 12, Genesis chapter number 12. And here we have the story of Abraham. Of course, he was Abram then until God gave him the name Abraham. And it says in verse number one, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Notice the next part here. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Of course, this last part is talking about the fact that the Messiah would be born a Jew, amen? And he came for the world. He came to die for all of us. And so he's made this promise and he's still keeping this promise. I believe the, one of the reasons why America hasn't been judged and we deserve judgment is because of the fact that we are the ones, for the most part, are the only ones that seem to be supporting Israel. And he said, I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curseth thee. Then if you go to chapter number 15, chapter number 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Notice it says in verse one, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. I notice the response from the Lord. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And so here he's saying, listen, he's not the one. He's not the one. Notice what it says next. It says, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Verse number six. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, here we see that God had basically made a covenant with Abraham. And if we go just a few more chapters over, we come to the chapter, Genesis chapter number 22. Of course, we know by this time that that son that God had promised, Isaac had been born. And the Bible tells us here in Genesis chapter 22, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. 
And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and he went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And God said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar with the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now here we have Abraham taken his only son, meaning his, the seed that was chosen. He was the chosen son, Isaac. And we see that he's taken him up for a burnt offering. He's to offer him up for a sacrifice. And basically here we see in verse number five, look at the response that Abraham, now Abraham knows that he's supposed to take his son up on that mountain and sacrifice him. But notice what he tells the other people here. In verse number five, he said, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And then he says this, and come again to you. Now here is Abraham knowing that God told him to go up on the mountain and sacrifice his son. And he's telling these people, we're going up to worship and then we're both coming down together. So how is this possible? Well, I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us why he believed that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says this, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and he had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And notice what it says here, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So here the Bible tells us that he believed in his heart that if God told him to go up on that mountain 
and sacrificed Isaac, that God was going to raise him up again. That was the faith that he had. And when we look at this and see the faith that he had, and then Isaac in verse number seven saying, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And look at his response. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And we know that come true to form, amen? He provided himself a lamb. God the Son became that lamb, amen? God the Son, the Lamb of God, what the Bible says in, in first, uh, I mean in John chapter one, verse 29, that the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is who he's talking about. And so the ram was offered as a substitute for Isaac, which illustrated the substitutionary sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. That means the Lord will provide, and he certainly did. And so when we see this, now I want you to go flipping up here to Exodus chapter number 12. Now here is where the Passover was instituted. And as we start in verse number three, it says, speaking to all the congregation of Israel, saying in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. For the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now I want you to notice here, it tells them in verse number six, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning and that which remaineth of it until the morning shall be burned with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Notice what he says in verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I want you to notice a few things here in the Passover when it was instituted. I want you to notice first in verse number four, he talks about uh, well, verse number three. Let's go back to verse number three. He talks about a lamb. And then in verse number four, we see the lamb. In verse number five, we see your lamb. 
And I started to think how these words and how it is worded is kind of like how, you know, I remember as a child, now I was lost. I didn't know the Lord is my Savior, but I always believed there was a God. And then after I grew up and I went to a Bible-believing church and heard the preaching of God's Word, I knew there was the God, one and only God. There was only one God. And I knew who he was based on what the word of God said. But I was still lost. It wasn't till I surrendered and he became my God that I knew I was going to heaven. And so we see a progression here as it starts out with a lamb. You know, a lot of people believe there's a God. And then when they hear the word of God and they, they understand who God is, now he's the God. But then it took that one day when the Holy Spirit convicted their heart and helped them to realize that they were a lost sinner and without Jesus Christ, they would die and go to hell for eternity. But thank God he came and died for us and he offers each and every one of us because he died for the sin of the world. And so he's offered to us himself. And so when we look at this, you know, you got to come to the point where he becomes your lamb, when he becomes your savior. He's not just a savior. He's just not the savior. He's your savior. That's, that's when we know that we're going to go to heaven because we've trusted Christ as our personal savior. God deals with us as individuals. Amen. Thank God he doesn't base it on your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles. No, it's a personal relationship that you have to have. And it comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this scripture and we see these texts here, notice in verse number seven, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they, they eat at. So here, we see the blood had to be applied. Amen? Listen, it wasn't enough that they were Jews. They had to have the blood applied. So when that night came, they were safe as long as they had that blood on the doorpost. Amen? Notice what he says in verse 13. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen? And thank God when God sees us, he sees the blood of Jesus on us, those that have been saved. And the Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. Now, there are two reasons that are given for the commandment for us not to eat blood. Number one, the life of the body is derived from it. Number two, it is the means by which atonement for sin is made. Now, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, of course, they had they bring a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for their sins. Now, this sacrifice, there had to be something to it. It had to be without blemish. That spoke of perfection. 
Jesus Christ would come to this earth and live a perfect, sinless life like no man could do because he was God in the flesh. And so that was a picture of Christ. All these sacrifices all through the Old Testament, that sacrifice without blemish, that was a picture of what Christ would do for us. And so as we're getting ready to close in on this crucifixion, Jesus and his disciples gather together to have the Passover meal. Now let's go back to our text. Let's go back to our text in Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26. And notice here, Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 19. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them and they made ready the Passover. Notice verse 20. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the 12. So here he is sitting down with the 12 disciples, getting ready to have the Passover meal. And so the Passover uh, meal was prepared and it, it was what they were supposed to do based on them remembering how God brought them out of Egypt. And so when we look at this, we see that all of a sudden Jesus says something here. In verse 21, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So here he is telling all the disciples that one of them would betray him. And so when we look at this, it says they were exceeding sorrowful. And notice what it says here. Now, it says they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Notice every one of them said it. Now, here they had been with Jesus during his whole earthly ministry, and they're saying, Lord, is it me? And when we think about it, without the help of the Lord, we're prone to wander. Amen? Without the Lord, the Bible tells us we're kept by the power of God. Those that have been saved, you know, we're saved by God's grace, but we're also kept by the power of God. And we're prone to wander. And all of them started to say, Lord, is it I? Am I the one? And notice what he says here. Uh, it says, and he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Boy, isn't that sad. But this is Judas. This is who he's talking about. Out of all of them. Now I want you to notice the next part. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Now, did you notice that all the disciples said, Lord, is it I? And when Judas asked, he said, Master, is it I? So when you look at those words, the word Lord, the Greek word meant supreme in authority. The title given to God, the Messiah. And when we look at the word Master, it's where the word rabbi comes from, teacher. It's rabbi. It means teacher. 
It's one you give honor to, but you can see it's a whole lot less than the word that talks about Lord, the supreme in authority. So here you see the different thought process of the disciples. The other disciples were saved. They saw him as Lord. And here we have Judas just calling him teacher. And, you know, when we look at this, uh, they have the Lord, they, they partake of the Passover here. And at that time, according to John, people believe that Judas left. And then here in verse number 26 is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says here in verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. And then it says here, he took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he says, and he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament. This is the new covenant. This is where it's changing to, amen? Before they celebrated the Passover, it was instituted back when they were in Egypt and God delivered them out of Egypt. But now here, the Lord institutes the Lord's Supper because of the fact that he would give his body. Think about on the cross, think about how they beat him and all the things they did to him and he nailed him to the cross, put the crown of thorns on. Just think of the agony. But what was worse was when God the Father put the sins of the whole world upon him and that's when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so all the sins of the world were put on him. And we know that he shed his precious blood that we might have life. And so when we look at this, we see here, here he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth as this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now here he's talking about the millennial kingdom. He's saying this is the last time we'll do it until then. This is the last time I'll do it with you till then. But of course we know that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, talking about the Lord's Supper, he tells us we should do it in remembrance of him. So we are we do the Lord's Supper at our church and, and most Bible-believing churches are gonna especially do that because he told us we're to do it in remembrance of him. We believe in uh, baptizing people that are saved. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism can't save. Water can't save you. Only Christ can save you. But baptism is a picture of what Christ does in your life, Amen. You have the old man and then dying to self and coming up a new man because we're a new creature, amen? And so baptism is you identifying with Christ. And then, of course, the Lord's Supper, that doesn't save you, but we do it to remember him. And we need to be careful when we take the Lord's Supper. If you look at those verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you need to take it worthily. Listen, if, if you're in a church, you know, some people do the Lord's Supper different ways, but 
if you're in church and you're a Bible believer and you've trusted Christ your Savior, amen, and you followed Him in believer's baptism, when you're there and they partake of the Lord's Supper, listen, if you have sin in your life, there needs to be a time. You need to confess that. You need to get right. You should not take it unworthily. A person that takes it unworthily can become sick. And the Bible even speaks of dying. That's how serious it was. And we should take it serious because when we partake of the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is we're remembering Christ, what he did for us. And so it's important as a child of God. And that's why when, when I have it in my church, what I do is I give people time to come to the altar confess their sins to get right so they could partake of that Lord's Supper. If, if you had a sin in your life and you, and you know it's there and you won't confess it, you're drinking unworthily. That's why it's important that we do it the right way, amen? Do it in remembrance of Him. We think of what He did for us. Each and every time, that's, that's a remembrance thing of remembering that Christ died for our sins. Without him, we have no hope. He is our hope. And here we have the Lord getting ready, getting ready to go on trial, getting ready to be crucified. And he's telling everybody, do this in remembrance of me. That's what he was telling them in essence is that this, the Lord's Supper being instituted was because the Lord would die for our sins. Now, we will continue, hopefully, Lord willing, on Wednesday, we'll continue our study starting in verse number 31. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day and all the many blessings you've given us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us always remember what you did for us. Lord, if we would just get a hold of the fact that because of your precious blood shed on Calvary's cross, that we are going to heaven because we've trusted you as our Savior. Lord, we're all sinners. We're all unworthy of your love, but you loved us anyway and you died for us. And Lord, help people to understand that they must put their faith and trust in you and you alone, not in church membership, not in believer's baptism, uh, not in good works. We're to put our trust only in you. And I pray if someone listening doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would confess themselves as sinners and pray, Lord, that they would believe that you died for their sins and they would put their faith and trust in you. Lord, help us as Christians, Lord, to remember what you did for us and that we would not partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Lord, help us, Lord, to live our lives According to your word, Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.